Hello and welcome back to Dose Makes the Poison, the ToxCast. I haven't talked to you for a while. I know folks, it's been a while. But something just came up in the news and I wanted to do a quick episode about it. So I'm back today with episode 15 of the ToxCast, Run for the Betamethasone, Roses. Yeah, that's right, Run for the Roses. The 147th running of the Kentucky Derby was held on Saturday, May 1st, 2021 in Louisville, Kentucky. In case you live underneath a rock somewhere, the Kentucky Derby is a grade one stakes horse race for three-year-old thoroughbred horses. It's a distance of one and one quarter miles. It's been held at Churchill Downs racetrack since 1875. The Derby is the first leg of what is considered the American Triple Crown of thoroughbred racing. So uh, you have the Kentucky Derby as the first leg. The second leg is the Preakness Stakes in Baltimore, Maryland. And the third leg is the Belmont Stakes, which is held in Elmont, New York. Well, you're probably asking yourself, Kevin, why are you talking about horse racing? And I would tell you, Hey, that's a very good question. Well, see, a horse named Medina Spirit, trained by legendary trainer Bob Baffert, won the 2021 Kentucky Derby. Interestingly enough, Medina Spirit was considered a long shot to win at 12 to 1 odds at post time. And the win gave Bob Baffert his seventh Kentucky Derby win. And Mandalone is stride for stride. Hot Rod Charlie and a central quality closing on the outside. The four of them come into the final furlong. Mandalone fighting for the front. Medina Spirit battles on. Hot Rod Charlie on the outside. A central quality on the far outside. The four of them coming to the finish in the Kentucky Derby. Here's the wire. Bob Baffert does it again. Medina Spirit has won the Kentucky Derby. And then guess what else happened? News broke on Saturday that Medina Spirit tested positive for beta-methasone. The horse had 21 picograms per milliliter of beta-methasone in his blood. So, turns out Bob Baffert was then suspended by Churchill Downs. He can't enter any more horses into races at Churchill Downs while the investigation is occurring. Medina Spirit's... You have the original sample, you then you split it into an A sample and a B sample. The A sample is tested post-raced, and then if a finding comes back as positive, the um, people can then have the B sample, the split sample, tested at a later time. And that's what's going to happen in this case. Medina Spirit's B sample will be tested to see if it contains beta-methasone. If the finding is confirmed in the split sample, then Medina Spirit would most likely be disqualified and the runner-up, a horse named Mandaloon, would be declared winner of the Kentucky Derby. See, this this is a big race with huge money on the line. This is very contentious. The winner's purse, I believe, is around $3 million, and the winner's share of the money was somewhere around $1.86 million. Big money in horse racing. 
All right, this breaking news, everyone. Disappointing word just a short time ago. The horse that won this year's Kentucky Derby failed a post-race drug test, and its Hall of Fame trainer, Bob Baffert, has been suspended from Churchill Downs. Baffert reveals that he was told the horse, Medina Spirit, tested positive for the steroid betamethasone. Now, he said he didn't know why the horse would have tested positive, calling it a complete injustice. This is Baffert's fifth horse to fail a drug test, actually, in the past year alone. Churchill Downs saying in part the connections of Medina Spirit have the right to request a test of a split sample and we understand they intend to do so. To be clear, if the findings are upheld, Medina Spirit's results in the Kentucky Derby will be invalidated and Mandaloon will be declared the winner. We will keep you updated on that, though. So far, no one has to return any winnings, OK, in case you're worried about that. OK, cool. Drugs. Drugs, drugs. This is the whole reason this show exists. Drugs in pop culture. Drugs in the news. Drugs, man. Drugs. So you're probably thinking to yourself, what the heck is betamethasone? How does it work? Why would it be in a horse's blood? So let's get into this a bit. I'm going to try to distill this down to just a few minutes, but the actual mechanics, the mechanisms of, of what is betamethasone, how it works in the body and everything about it makes up chapters and chapters in toxicology textbooks and references. I'll give you a reference right now. If you do want a good reference, a good read, but it's very complex read on these sort of substances that we're going to talk about shortly today, just for a brief time, Go get yourself a copy of Goodman and Gilman's The Pharmacological Basis of Therapeutics Reference Book. It has somewhere around a couple of hundred pages of reading and information on this topic on these sort of substances. Alright, betamethasone. Betamethasone is a steroid medication. Um, it's a glucocorticosteroid to be exact. And that is used for a whole number of things in human medicine. So it's used for things like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, dermatitis, psoriasis, asthma, angioedema, Crohn's disease, leukemia, and adrenocortical insufficiency. And that's just to name a few. There's a lot more things that betamethasone is used for. Betamethasone has the chemical formula C22H29FO5, so 22 carbons, 29 hydrogens, 1 fluorine, 5 oxygens. From a pharmacokinetics perspective, it has a known half-life in the body of about 3 to 9 hours, and its volume of distribution is 1 to 1.5 liters per kilogram. For humans... Betamethasone is available as a medication, as a pill, a liquid for injection, an ointment, or a cream, or a lotion, or a gel, or even an aerosol spray for topical application to the skin. Trade names for betamethasone include Bicort, Betanolin, Betanazole, Betanovate, Celestone, Diprolene, Diprazone, Lotroderm, and Lotrazone. Betamethasone is an agonist of the glucocorticoid receptor in the body. And this is the receptor that all glucocorticoids bind to. 
So when I say glucocorticoids, things like cortisol, cortisone, you've probably heard of prednisone, prednisolone, dexamethasone, all of these things bind to those glucocorticoid receptors in the body. So the steroid binds to that receptor and a process called transactivation occurs. Or basically what happens is anti-inflammatory proteins are allowed to be expressed in the nucleus. And then it also represses the expression of pro-inflammatory proteins in a process called transrepression, which occurs in the cytosol of the cell, which if you go back to biology, it's the part of the cytoplasm of a eukaryotic cell, and it's essentially the liquid matrix that's surrounding the organelles in the cell. Chemistry is biology. Biology is chemistry, people. Always remember this. The two are interlinked. And all of this is just a more complex way of saying that these substances interrupt inflammation by moving into cells and suppressing the proteins that promote inflammation. So betamethasone, much like all of these compounds, are in anti inflammatory substances. Some other effects of these substances include immunosuppressant effects by direct action on T lymphocytes in the body, and they also have vasoconstrictive effects by essentially inhibiting histidine. Sometimes you hear these substances called glucocorticosteroids, but you can also hear them shortened to glucocorticoid. So if you look at the word glucocorticoid, it's a portmanteau of all of the words glucose and cortex and steroid. So the gluco part, glucocorticoid. Gluco is for glucose. These sort of compounds are involved in glucose metabolism. So cortisol in the body stimulates many processes that serve to increase and maintain normal blood glucose concentrations. Cortic for cortex. Naturally occurring glucocorticoids are produced in the adrenal cortex or the largest part of the adrenal glands which are which are found above the kidneys in the body. And then you have the oid part glucocorticoid. If you look at the chemical structure of these glucocorticoids, you'll see a, a core structure. It's four rings attached in a very specific manner. These are three cyclohexane rings and one cyclopentane ring, and they are all fused together. This is the core structure that comprises all steroid compounds. So things like, when you talk about steroids, Things like testosterone, progesterone, cortisol, cortisone, estradiol, dexamethasone, and betamethasone. All of these have the same core structure, that four-ringed, three-cyclohexane, one-cyclopentane fused structure. So that's why they are called gluco for glucose, cortic for cortex, oid for steroid, glucocorticoid. So in humans, beta-methasone is biotransformed by a few different ways. Glucuronide conjugation, 6-hydroxylation, 
11 oxidation, and 20 reduction. In urine in the human body, at least 16 metabolites have been discovered, but the primary ones are 6-beta-hydroxy-betamethasone, 11-dehydro-betamethasone, 20-dihydro-betamethasone, and then betamethasone-glucuronide, which is the major metabolite. Unchanged drug is actually also excreted and can be found in the urine as well. All of that's good. We talked about humans for a little bit. So why would this be detected in a horse, in a thoroughbred horse? Well, in Kentucky horse racing, betamethasone is considered a class C drug. It is allowed as a therapeutic medication and is sometimes used in horses as an anti-inflammatory substance to help alleviate joint pain for the horse. It can be used in a few different ways. Direct injection into the horse's joint, injection into the bloodstream, subcutaneous injection near like the inflamed soft tissue, or via topical application, so dermal application. Betamethasone, though, is not considered to be a performance-enhancing substance. It's not a PED, not a performance-enhancing drug. But as it is an anti-inflammatory substance, it does have the ability to mask inflammation or signs of inflammation, which both can be warning signs of an injury or something eventually that could escalate into an injury if the animal is pushed via exercise and various workouts. It's a different drug, but think of why we use, as humans, we use ibuprofen or naproxen to alleviate inflammation and pain. It's kind of the same thing here. Kentucky requires at least a 14-day withdrawal time, and any level of detection on race day is considered a violation. That means any if you're using betamethasone to treat your horse, it has to be stopped minimum 14 days from the race. But this substance, there is zero tolerance for it. You find it, it's going to be a, an, an issue post-race. And again, this is a big deal. Historically, in 147 runnings of the Kentucky Derby, only one winning horse has tested positive for a substance post-race. That was in 1968. The horse's name was Dancer's Image. Dancer's Image tested positive post-race for phenylbutazone. And in the end, the horse was disqualified and is the only winner to date to be stripped of the race win for failing a drug test post-race. Okay, now you may say again, Kevin, isn't 21 picograms per milliliter a very low amount? Because that was the amount of betamethasone found in Medina Spirit's blood post-race. And, and to that question, I would say yes, it is a very low amount. It is a very low concentration. It's extremely low. And I think to understand this, you have to talk about what, what a picogram is for just a second. So remember that unit of mass called a kilogram? A kilogram is a thousand grams. One gram is 1,000 milligrams. One milligram is 1,000 micrograms. One microgram is 1,000 nanograms. 
one nanogram is 1,000 picograms. So a picogram is 10 raised to the minus 15th power kilograms, or 10 raised to the minus 12 power grams. In other words, a picogram is one trillionth of a gram. 21 picograms is 21 trillionths of a gram. So Medina Spirit had 21 picograms of beta-methasone per milliliter of blood, or 21 trillionths of a gram per milliliter of blood. But this is what analytical chemists and analytical toxicologists do. We measure tiny amounts of substances in biological matrices such as blood or urine. And in this case, it's horse blood for the horse racing testing lab, equine testing. We typically use things like liquid chromatography, mass spectrometry to do so, and beta-methasone can be readily analyzed by things like high-resolution mass spectrometry or triple-quadruple mass spectrometry. It's also important to point out that remember that a human has around 5,000 milliliters of blood in their body. Now that ranges depending on your size, but it's around 5,000. The last time I checked, and believe me, I don't check often because this really doesn't come across my plate very often, but a thoroughbred horse has somewhere around maybe upwards of 50,000 milliliters of blood in their body. So if you actually do the math, 21 picograms of beta-methasone per milliliter of blood times 50,000 milliliters of blood equals... 1,050,000 picograms of beta-methasone in the horse's entire bloodstream. That's 1,050 nanograms, or 0.0015 milligrams of beta-methasone. Again, this is just trying to put this in the context, because people don't really talk about picograms per milliliter very often. And that's not, I mean, this is also not to mention the substance that's still remaining in the body, which has been distributed to organs. Because as a substance is used or you get exposed to something, it enters the bloodstream and then it gets transported to the surrounding organs, the heart, the liver, the lungs, the brain. All of these substances get transported to other organs and then they sometimes get sequestered in those organs. So this is just food for thought. Again, I'm just trying to put this in perspective we can throw around units all day long. But again, we people in the field of analytical toxicology measure exceedingly small amounts of substance. And you know why? Because that is the amount of substance that appears in the blood after exposure or after use of the substance. That's just how it works. This can be backed up by if you look at human use of the substance. There have been many reports published in scientific literature over the last several decades. So in a study by Lou et al. in Biopharmaceutical Drug Disposition in 1981, this was the year I was born, 1981, this study was done, a single oral 2 milligram dose of beta-methasone given to nine adults produced peak blood plasma concentrations averaging 25 nanograms per milliliter at 2.1 to 2.6 hours. 
In a study published by Kubota et al. in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology in 1994, a single topical dermal application of 4 mg betamethasone given to 5 adults resulted in average peak blood plasma concentrations of 0.24 nanograms per milliliter at 28 hours post-administration. So they gave these, they administered this topical to the skin, 4 milligrams of betamethasone at 28 hours. It was the average concentration peaked, the highest it would get at 0.24 nanograms per milliliter, which if you convert that to picograms per milliliter, that's 240 picograms per milliliter. 0.24 nanograms per mil is equal to 240 picograms per milliliter. In the same study, oral administration of 0.6 milligrams of betamethasone given to those same individuals resulted in average peak blood plasma concentrations of 5 nanograms per milliliter at 2 hours. So oral administration of 0.6 milligrams of substance resulted in average peak concentrations of 5 nanograms per mil, which is 5,000 picograms per milliliter. In a study published in the European Journal of Clinical Pharmacology in 1983 by Peterson et al., eight adults were given a single 10.6 milligram intravenous dose of betamethasone, so it was injected IV, and the resulting peak blood plasma concentrations averaged 101 nanogram per mil at 0.3 hour. And finally, a study published by Bellab in Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics in 2002 showed that when given two 12.5 milligram dosages of betamethasone intramuscularly, so IM, the blood plasma levels of six women averaged 54 nanograms per milliliter, a range of 39 to 62 nanograms per milliliter, at an average of 4.9 hours. So a range of 1.5 to 9.3 hours. So all of these studies I just brought up basically show that low nanogram per milliliter to sub nanogram per milliliter levels in humans is common. Tiny amounts. And when I say sub nanogram per milliliter, that means below one nanogram per milliliter, which then when we start talking about below one nanogram per milliliter, a lot of people will use that picogram per milliliter unit to refer to those substances in that concentration range instead of, su instead of nanogram per mil. So again, tiny, tiny amounts, but that's the way it is. That's the way it works. So things in the story seemed on the up and up. I mean, horses test positive for substances and investigations occur. It's happened before. It will continue to occur. But Bob Baffert seems to have a history of horses testing positive. I mean, he had a horse, Gammon, test positive for betamethasone last year and after she finished third in the Kentucky Oaks race. Her betamethasone level in her blood post-race was 185 picograms per milliliter. The horse actually did receive betamethasone as a therapeutic medication, according to records, 18 days before the Kentucky Oaks race. Ultimately, though, she was disqualified. Bob Baffert was made to pay a fine of $1,500. 
He also had two horses, charlatan and, and gamine again, uh, test positive for 3-hydroxylidocaine, which is a lidocaine metabolite, in May of 2020 after a race at Oaklawn Park. Charlatan had 46 picograms per milliliter of lidocaine metabolite in its blood. I didn't see um, gamine's blood level, but charlatan had 46 picograms per milliliter of lidocaine metabolite. Bob Baffert was fined $5,000 for each positive test. He argued that the lidocaine positives were the result of in this phenomenon called environmental contamination. Baffert's horse, Murneath, tested positive for dextrorphan in July of 2020. Baffert was fined $2,500. The 2018 Santa Anita Derby winner and ultimate Triple Crown winner in, in 2019, Justify, tested positive for scopolamine post-race. See, the horse, the hay that the horses eat can sometimes be contaminated with jimson weed, which is a, a plant that contains the substance scopolamine. The ultimate ruling in that case was not a disqualification because they proved that it's potentially possible for that hay to be contaminated with jimson weed. So again, Bob Baffert has a history on both sides. He's lost cases and he's won appeals to rulings, but that's not necessarily the crazy part to me. Baffert stated that he believed the positive for betamethasone was because a groom urinated in the horse stall after the groom had taken cold medication. Then Medina Spirit ate some of that hay that the groom peed on. So again, he is arguing environmental contamination. Again, not therapeutic use like he did with Gemine, who had been treated with the substance. Crazy, right? I mean, kind of for sure. I don't necessarily buy his excuse at face value for a few reasons. And as a forensic toxicologist, I'm pretty, pretty aware of what drugs are out there and what formulations exist. And I thought to myself, when I heard Bob Baffert's reasoning, is there no cold medication that contains betamethasone? Well, I did some research on my own just a, a little while ago, and, and, and guess what? I was a bit taken aback. Because there does exist a formulation of cold medication that contains betamethasone. It's very, very rare, but it does exist. The trade name is Celestamine. It's manufactured by Sharing Plow under Merck, Sharp, and Dome LLC. It's a formulation of 250 micrograms of betamethasone and 2 milligrams of the antihistamine dexchlorpheniramine. And if dexchlorpheniramine sounds familiar... It's the dextratory or de-isomer of the antihistamine chlorpheniramine, which is a first-generation antihistamine. Chlorpheniramine can be found as an ingredient in many over-the-counter cold medications, um, such as coracidin, chlortrimeton, Tylenol, cold and allergy, and Dimetap. But the kicker is that it isn't used in the United States, as far as I can tell. It is a medication that contains betamethasone and dexchlorpheniramine in places like Brazil, Chile, Hong Kong, Indonesia, Japan, Paraguay, the Philippines, South Africa, and Venezuela. 
at least from my research, that's where this medication is allowed and is approved. So from what I can tell, it's a real medication. But as to Bob Baffert's reasoning, I don't really buy into it for many reasons, which I really won't go into here. But I, throughout my entire experience in, in, in history and in forensic toxicology, I have learned to say, never say never when it comes to many different things. But Bob Baffert is adamant, at least to the press, that Medina Spirit was never treated with betamethasone. He went on Fox News and said this. Racing, you know, racing has a bad is not the problem. You know, Bob, uh, this isn't something you bury in the diet of the horse. This has to be injected into the joints. It's a steroid, an anti-inflammatory. It, it, it would mask, essentially, the amount of physical exertion the horse is exhibiting on the track and help the horse, him or her, to run faster. But you've had five horses from the Bafford barn in the last year to fail a drug test. Now, what would explain but the, that? But they were all resolved. They were all, they were contamination. And we have to fight this. And for some reason, that that is the problem right there. And... Uh, and people in the public don't understand. People in my world, they understand it's this is all BS. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it happened to uh, I have Bob Baffert's not stupid. That's not a drug that I, I would I would use on a horse. And we don't use that horse. We, we don't use that drug. It, the horse never had it in him. And we have the documentation. We're going to uh, show everything. So what's going on? I don't know. At this point, no one knows. But the fact is that betamethasone was found in the blood of the 2021 Kentucky Derby winning horse post-race. We'll see if the B split sample comes back positive. But as the test results won't be back for typically another three to four weeks, that's a discussion for another day in another episode. So I hope you learned just a little bit about what betamethasone is and why it's tested for in the horse racing world. It's one of those substances that we really don't even care too much about in human toxicology, specifically in, in my experiences in post-mortem toxicology and human performance toxicology, but it still has a very important role in human and veterinary medicine, and it can be analyzed in toxicology if necessary. As an addendum to this podcast episode, I had already recorded this prior to Tuesday, May 11th, but news broke on May 11th that Medina Spirit was actually treated with an antifungal ointment called Odomax, and Odomax contains betamethasone. The horse was treated once a day with the ointment up to the May 1st Kentucky Derby race. Bob Baffert did release a statement and said that he did not realize that Odomax contained betamethasone. We'll see how this affects the horse and the results of the Kentucky Derby 2021. So if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Send me an email at dosemakesthepoisonpodcast at gmail.com. If you are on Twitter, check out the ToxCast Twitter feed at ToxCast. Or my verified Twitter feed is at 
Forensic Tox Guy. All one word. Head over to Facebook, give the Dose Makes the Poison podcast page a like, and soon enough, I will be back with episode 16 of Dose Makes the Poison, the ToxCast. So until next time, my friends, always, always, always remember to never practice toxicology in a vacuum. <laughs>